Welcome to Lead Today with me, Kalina. Let's talk leadership. All right, episode four already. My goodness. Thank you to everybody who is tuned in already and checked out all the other episodes, especially the interview I just did with Dan, super cool founder of Unbound Merino. I am here, excited to chat with you today and enjoying a coffee, courtesy of Sarah. Thank you so much for your support and buying me a cup of coffee. I've got a nice iced decaf Americano in front of me. I know decaf, man, that's a whole other discussion. Regular coffee, I love the taste. Can't do regular coffee. I can't deal with the caffeine. Even decaf, I'm trying to get. <laughs> I'll, I'll save that for the health section of today, but even decaf, I am uh, trying to get away from some teas I like. Water is the number one beverage of choice. But uh, yeah, that's not, it doesn't even sound fun when I say it, but it is really important. We can talk about that in a bit. Today, what I would like to discuss after getting some feedback from you all, thank you so much, is a little bit about me. Some feedback I got was, hey, you know, I'm, I'm loving the episodes, really cool, but I don't really know you that well. And I want to hear more about who you are as a person and maybe why I should keep listening to you, but I really appreciate that candid feedback from a new friend in Switzerland. And so today I want to chat, however briefly, maybe we'll do just like a 30 minute on myself. And that's actually a really big question to ask anyone, right? This idea of who am I? I know in the first episode, I said, who am I to be doing this, to be running a podcast? But the question of who am I is frankly a big one and a little bit daunting so I will do my best attempt to answer that one in the realms of my professional life personal life spiritually politically my interests and my health or let's say current health journey or status so that's what I'm going to try to do today is explore those areas so you can get to know me a little bit better And as for last episode, another piece of feedback I got was actually that I was referencing a bunch of stuff in the interview with Dan that you guys couldn't see because it's a podcast and so it's in audio format only. There is a reason for that. The behind the scenes video content and other special content is going to be in the coffee area for monthly members you can join the inner circle for five bucks a month so the price of a coffee but it is going to be the behind the scenes stuff for people that are religiously devoted to listening to me no just people that are willing to uh, support and show up and enjoy this content enough to take the time to watch me or check out further content so if you're interested in that and seeing the video with Dan or other exciting content pieces that I'll be adding on the coffee page then just click the link added in these episode notes and you can check it out you can obviously stop at any time and so it's just sort of like buying me a coffee every month in order to access all the special stuff that I'll be putting up for members only All right, add slot over for my own personal promo. Uh, So who am I? Really good question. The answer that I'm most practiced at, which I imagine we all are, is the the professional one. So, you know, you, you go to a party and it's always, what do you do? I kind of, sometimes I joke around with that question or... If you've ever been on vacation and you meet people and sometimes people make up their careers, it's funny. I I met a guy who told me that he was a dentist and I had no reason to not believe him. And it was hilarious. I went days thinking the guy was a dentist and really he sells alcohol for a distributor. Uh, Yeah, it's funny to see people take on personas when they're away and can decide who they are in their fantasy life. But anyhow, in my real life, I am a leadership development coach and career coach. I've done over 4,000 hours with clients in 21 countries. 
I started coaching in 2016 and I took my training with Ericsson Coaching International, a school based in Vancouver, a phenomenal school based off of solution focused coaching and I've I've both facilitated for them in a teen as coach, brain hacks for teens coaching course. I've assisted to facilitate and I've done sales enrollment for them as well for a short time. So I really integrated into that community and started coaching individuals in all facets of their lives. Although I noticed predominantly I gravitated toward careers and that's because I saw so many people stuck in my personal life and professionally. I just kept seeing people that were stuck in jobs that they hated doing it because of this sense of obligation, duty, and I wanted to change that. I've always been pretty stubborn for those of you that know me well, which is pretty much the core listenership as I record this episode. Uh, And with that stubborn resolve, I was very clear at even 18, after I'd been working for a couple of years, different part-time gigs, that I needed autonomy and I had the opportunity at one of my first corporate internships to work from home. And Man, the moment I could work on my laptop by the pool was the moment that I was a self-proclaimed digital nomad, freelancer, work from home. (laughs) And so in 2012, that's when I, I started doing digital strategy and was just editing websites. I had one main contract and then I would expand that to be more of an agency where I had freelancers on Upwork doing the work and I was gathering clients in North America and then having the work done and iterated on that for a bit. Sorry, I chronologically sort of went out of order. So after I realized that while digital strategy is incredibly important for any company, I wanted to have an impact more on people. That's when I got into coaching, which is 2016, what I mentioned about working, uh, taking Ericsson's coaching course and really loving their solution-focused methodology I became more became more solution focused in my life and then set out to help people. I remember one of my first clients I met actually because she was interviewing me and then she ended up a client and wanted to wanted to go from law into photojournalism and she does some really brilliant work now and took the plunge still does a bit of legal work on the side and definitely the absolute definition of multi-passionate which is awesome and so I supported her in taking that plunge and continue to follow along with her work so did that for a few years coached clients all over the place and then realized after my car accident in 2019 that I wanted to have a bigger impact without having to be on a computer screen or just rely on myself. And so I started building a roster of coaches with Kickstart Your Work, which is my company that does the coaching. And so we've got a bunch of coaches on contract ready to help when we get any corporate deals with a group of managers or employees that want help with remote work or career satisfaction, performance management. Um, and, and so that was something, did a few contracts like that and recognized, okay, there's a lot of work in people management. There's a lot of work in coordinating 41 coaches, let alone if you want to expand that to 100, 500, 1,000 coaches like Better Up has in this space. Um, and I, I recognize that while that is scalable to some degree, it's a lot of coordination. And again, I felt the limitation of the man hours, the people hours, what it would take to really be able to deliver this to millions and millions of people was still somehow limited by the setup. And so it's great. And I think human coaching is absolutely needed. I'm a huge advocate for it. I think everyone needs a place to create space to talk about stuff, whatever it is. It doesn't have to just be about your career. I think it's so important. Uh, It doesn't have to be a therapist either. They're very different approach. So everybody has to go for the support that they need. That being said, I think in your career, if you're very if you're unsure of where you want to go or you're very clear about where you want to go, no matter what, a coach that has 
been there. They don't have to have been there, but I have found that if they've achieved what you want to achieve, they're able to coach you better. I think this is a good opportunity to make a distinction. I always get people saying, yeah, you know, a coach is like a cheerleader. You just you just cheer people on all day. It's like, yeah, you know, I definitely advocate for people, but it's actually about being very inquisitive and asking powerful questions to people so that they can come up with the answers. I've had so many people show up to coaching sessions. It's like, okay, I'm stuck. What do I do? Tell me what to do. It's like, that's more of a teacher, facilitator, trainer role to say, okay, here's this system and step one, two, three, four, five, and this is how it's going to go. A coach is really more about, okay, you know, you might not know where you want to go, but okay, you want to focus on your career. Great. Where are you at now? Awesome. Where do you want to be? And where do you want to be at the end of this call? And then you look at the type of reality you want to create in your work. So, okay, I want a promotion. I want to change industries, whatever. And then you get very clear on what that looks like, is like for you. And then you go ahead and create actions and that coaches your accountability partner as you move through whatever program you're doing with them. A mentor is different. A mentor you have calls with either sporadically or consistently, but often they're imparting their wisdom based off of who they've become. I find that a coach can be a certain way, but you don't necessarily take on how they approach things because they're more holding space and asking you questions. A mentor, oftentimes, if you get close to a mentor or have a mentor or many mentors, which I have multiple mentors depending on the area of my life, it's because you're aspiring to be like them. And I think there's huge value in mentorship, but I do want to make that distinction because oftentimes it's like, yeah, you know, again, the the teacher, mentor, coach role changes. And that doesn't mean that one person can't be all three in different contexts, right? Like at Chiefly, we've got a bunch of interns because we partner with a company called Flick, actually Vancouver-based, super cool startup by two girls, Ravina and Michelle, awesome, awesome women. And um, so with Flick, we have interns and I mentor them and they intern with the company and we both benefit by learning and growing. And it's awesome. That's a different relationship where they're looking at me and deciding, okay, do I want to be like Kalina or not? Or to be even more granular, do I want to be like Kalina in this fashion when they're navigating right I think people navigate with mentors and they outgrow them at some point I've had mentors where I get to a certain point in my development it's like okay I've learned what I really wanted to learn from you I've been able to assimilate that and now I'm gravitating toward another mentor so I think it's really important to have a mentor in whatever it is that you're working toward if you try to just read material it's not the same. It doesn't come alive the same way and you're not getting that two-way feedback. So reading a book, you're consuming something, right? And it's great. And I I think books are also very valuable. So don't get me wrong. A mentor is someone that you can tell your story to and they can help you to realign and give you their their experience that's contextual to what you're going through. So, you know, kind of like uh, they search in their mind for what their experience is is that would be relevant to your current situation and that customization I think is what a book or even Google can't necessarily do right they can't draw upon people's experiences and give you an anecdote although maybe they can who knows Google is Google is everything (laughs) Uh, but so that's where that personal connection is different and again I value mentorship I value books I value teachers and facilitators and I value coaching. I think it's just really important to know that distinction. And so I've done bits of all of those roles in different parts of my work. But I said that coaching specifically, I wanted it to be more scalable. I wanted people to be asked more powerful questions. And the more and more I went along, I realized that while coaching is really helpful, people also don't get enough feedback in the corporate world. Just as a generalization there's not enough feedback if you're in sales sure you have feedback on your prospecting your prospecting data like how many you know and how many meetings you have how many demos your success rate what's your win rate or close rate um so you get a lot of data there and you know your total amount of sales that you're bringing in for the company but are you getting feedback on every individual sales call you know is somebody is somebody there helping you to tweak those 
little things that could tweak your performance by just one or two words or actions and then take your performance 10, 15, 20% better. Oftentimes, not just in sales, but in every role, you don't have someone that's better at the job than you looking over your shoulder. And most of the time we're thankful for that because it would get really annoying. That being said, a yearly performance review that's remarkably subjective and doesn't give you really any areas of improvement, or maybe they do, but you never look at them again because it's a report that you file and you and your performance manager look at it the next year or the next quarter or even the next month. It's not enough to change your daily performance. And so, and so, yeah, it's going to be a running joke for a little while here. I think that one, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that is from episode two. Uh, so, So when it comes to Chiefly, which is the company I started last year, I started that because I saw this need, this dire need for people to get more timely feedback on how they're doing and especially how they're doing within their day-to-day interactions. And of course, everybody working from home predominantly has shifted that to the online environment, which is advantageous because now we can leverage technology to give us better feedback. And so Chiefly is all about giving people better feedback in meetings about how they're doing in real time. So I'm not talking about a dashboard after the call. I'm talking about giving you feedback when it matters, which is right as you're leading a call or right while you're in a meeting about engagement, your own and your participants, about emotions that are coming up, keywords and topics that are coming up. And so I think it's an exciting space. I'm learning a lot that uh, the back end of that, we're leveraging deep learning technology, which is a subset of machine learning. And it's fascinating. I've learned so much in the technical space as a result of founding Chiefly. And so that's my main project right now is is Chiefly and bringing that software it's already live, but let's say refining it and bringing it to meeting platforms all around so that leaders and people running meetings all around the world can utilize it. And our first step to conquer the meeting market is Zoom. So not another shameless plug for me, but hey, I'm talking, this is an episode about me. So uh, look out for us on Zoom. Look out for Chiefly on Zoom soon. I'll probably update you guys on that naturally as it occurs since we're best buddies now and this is my personal diary of sorts, which is fascinating to think that. It's fascinating to think that I can record this and you can listen to this whenever is convenient. It's sort of like a voice note on steroids, you know, like I send voice notes to friends and stuff. I just think about like my cousin and I send voice notes a lot because it's easier than having a call if we have a time change or something. And this is just like a voice note on steroids for everybody that knows me, likes me, doesn't like me, (laughs) and wants to know what I'm up to. So that's a bit professionally. And then this year, I also founded Leadware, which is lead it's a brand we've got clothes mugs uh, iphone cases and such mugs did i say that (laughs) um and essentially i did that for my birthday because i wanted a way to give back to local charities so that i knew where the proceeds were going and i wanted others to be able to get cool merch lead by example and purchase clothes that they know are giving back and so month of April we're supporting Girls Inc of Durham I've done some speaking engagements and support them via kickstart your work for the past few years so I give a percentage of our sales from kickstart to them they're doing amazing work to support girls to be strong smart and bold and they do that with after school programming they're they're really awesome like I I spoke at one of their summer camps and it's just amazing to see girls that are you know, 9 to 14-ish, around that age range, and their level of curiosity, how excited they are about learning from women and their peers, and they just have a lot of fun. It's such a cool environment. I wish I had that kind of space at that age. I think about my little sister. Uh, I, at her age, 
I think it's so cool to have a little bit of a girls club, you know? So that's lead where I started that recently. And then of course this podcast, which you know about because you're here. So I started the podcast professionally because I told you guys this in the first episodes, so maybe I don't need to go there, but essentially it's because I care about a lot of things and I want to discuss them with people that are really brilliant and sometimes I'll discuss them with myself and the research that I've seen and hopefully my musings are valuable to you in the form of solo episodes but I'm so excited to interview more people and have expert opinions novice opinions people's take their life experience shared in order to benefit us all in a public forum I think there's so much I re-listened to the episode with Dan and just I was obviously there but even listening to it a second time so many gems to pick up people are fascinating and none of us have had the same experiences and I'm just so honored that people want to chat with me and share their their stories and what they've learned in life there's so much to learn from other people so that's what that is about and it's just another way to connect with people and like I said the the car accident has moved me into audio only content I think it's brilliant it's a phenomenal way for me to share I'm definitely a talker if you haven't noticed so that's me professionally in a nutshell and it relates to the mission that I shared with you in episode one which is I really want to move people into action I want people to be brave with their lives get out of their own way and yes have careers that they love and that are impactful but it's, it goes beyond that the broader mission is I want you to do the things you want to do if it's a trip to Brazil for six months go for it if it's learning a new language and you don't know any others and you've decided you're a hopeless case it's like no you're not if it's important to you let's figure it out and so I I want to be that person and I think this is a good moment to move to the personal side of who I am which is I think as a friend I'm definitely the friend that just moves people into action for better or for worse um I think about with my cousin you know I went to Brazil a few years ago and just fell in absolute love with it and then shared with my cousin and the next year she came with me and got a job teaching English and we went for it um I I think I'm able to laser through excuses, other people's excuses probably better than my own. I I try. I try to be real with myself about when I'm just fluffing things up and making excuses for things that I actually have personal control over. I'm really all about doing my best to take personal responsibility and control over things because there's so little that we have control over, really. (laughs) I mean, if you start to think about it, really we only control what we choose to do what we choose to say and to some degree our thoughts I mean we can that's that's a tough one right because it's so easy to go down a line of thinking and I think we need to really be mindful of associating with our thoughts like we are not our thoughts that's something that I've been learning especially from Sadhguru which I'll, I'll link to I've linked to some of his videos before I think in episode two He's a brilliant guy, so I don't want to move away from personal before I go to spirituality. But certainly, spiritually, I have been attracted to multiple forms of spirituality. I don't think it has to be religion. I think we can uncouple religion from spirituality. You can be spiritual and not religious or vice versa. To me, my personal definition would be that spirituality is your connection to everything around you you know nature god or the universe to me is just every every single thing around us and it's that connection it's knowing that you are not just yourself you're so connected to the people around you the trees around you the wind around you i mean you know it when you're in the middle of a snowstorm in canada (laughs) you are not separate from the wind and crazy snow that is making it impossible for you to move your car it's like you are in that you are a part of that and to me that's what a spiritual connection is being very aware that you are a part of everything that exists and everything is a part of you so not to get too flowery but I don't think that is I think that's relative that's a relatively clear and simple definition 
of spirituality which is your connection to a bigger power you know it's like I think that's where people who are not that spiritual get turned off it's like okay like some higher power and what is that and I don't know I can't see it right and so what is it and that's where faith comes in and people say yeah but why should I have faith in something that I've never experienced and it's like that's where Buddhism to me and Hinduism to some degree for me and my exploration of that I I did my first course in Buddhism and mindfulness at the University of Toronto while I was there in business school and that that's what got me down the road of mindfulness and meditation prompted me to do my yoga teacher training and uh, you know I think it's as simple as seeing a sunrise or sunset and I've seen it in in Jericoacoara in the northern coast of Brazil when I was living there you would have at sunset 50 to 100 people sitting on this huge sand dune you know like okay not as big as a Swiss Alp or anything but you know a huge sand dune hill and you've got 100 people sitting there there's some music stuff going on but people sit in total reverence of this thing that happens every single day you know, I mean, the sun sets every single day and people show up there every day and they watch. And it's this kind of silent moment where everybody is enthralled by one thing. I think that's spiritual because it's a connection of everybody to the oneness of everything. It's like, I'm experiencing the sunset. We're all here together. We're in this together. To me, that's to some degree spiritual. And so of course you can also experience it on your own I think and this I I might be speaking in a way that's matter of fact it's just because it's matter of fact for me right now I am very clear that I don't know (sighs) I feel like I'm at the tip of the iceberg when it comes to understanding my connection with God or this bigger power it's but it's certainly something that drives me it's what allows me to have faith in the fact that things are working out I think without that faith a lot of the things that have happened in my life would be infinitely more challenging and so while I don't go to church every Sunday I was raised Catholic I you know I'm not there every Sunday did I say Saturday (laughs) I don't know if I said Saturday I don't go to church every Sunday but I'm sure that I'm connected to God or again higher power whatever word you want to use every single day I mean it's the biggest connection that I have it's my biggest priority is is that and it's so easy to forget it and the one thing that works for me is meditation it's the only thing that gets me out of my head I'm a you know I'm a thinker I think probably a bit too much right it's like constantly thinking about what I need to do where I need to go who I need to talk to what who I need to email And the thing that slows me down and just puts me straight in this exact present moment is meditation and yoga. And so definitely one of my personal interests is yoga. As I mentioned, I did my yoga teacher training in Canada, in Ontario. And I've gone on, I did a retreat in Barbados, another retreat in Portugal. Um, I did some yoga in Bali. Uh, Where else? Oh, Colombia, I did a really, oh man, I did an amazing retreat in Colombia and tried to surf and just completely wiped out. I did not do well surfing that time. The waves were big. I mean, not trying to make any excuses. I just wasn't very good at it my first go, which fair, it's not the easiest thing, but we went pretty far out. We paddled pretty far out and I uh, felt like I went through a washing machine a couple times, (laughs) but that was a beautiful trip um, in Santa Marta on the coast there gorgeous place which probably leads me to and I don't know if that was I feel like we should move to my interest in travel because I love travel I hope I've been complete with the spiritual side I think the main thing I can say is I don't know the extent of what spirituality is I think it's just I've just reached the tip of the iceberg I listen to um, Sadhguru who is a very fascinating, he would describe himself as a mystic, which I'm even trying to figure out what that means, but he certainly has some interesting opinions and tips. And his, I do Isha Kriya, which is a meditation where essentially you inhale 
and you say to yourself, I'm not the body, and you exhale, I'm not even the mind. And that's that dissociative process to dissociate dissociative process, disassociating with yourself and your mind and that chatter. And that's been really helpful in me being present. It was so easy for me to live in the past or in the future. And so I've really been working toward being conscious of that and being more conscious in general. Conscious when I eat things, conscious when I speak with people, conscious in the way that I approach everything that I do. I would say I have a tendency to be impatient. Again, my core audience that's listening to this, you all know that about me and certainly it's something I'm working on. I see something that I want and I just want to spearhead straight, you know, just go straight toward it. I would say that being more conscious of everything I do has allowed me to have a more graceful, lighter touch with things, to trust in the timing of things. Sometimes I think things should be a certain way and I want to control them and I want them to go exactly as I want them to. And man, is that <laughs> has that been rearranged for me a couple times? Certainly the car accident the past year and a half, the way that my life has evolved... How much control do we really have? Again, back to that earlier thread. It's like, I've just got control of how I treat people, how I treat myself, what I do, and you know how I, how I decide to frame things, how I choose to frame the things that are going on in my life. And so I think spirituality has allowed me to start framing things in a more positive way as well and coupling with the solution-focused coaching training that I have and saying... What is the opportunity here? What's the possibility here? What can I do about this? What's important to me about this? Because being a victim and being in that mindset, while we all get into that, you know, it's really easy to live there. And sometimes it's gratifying to live there and be a victim, but um, not the best use of my time and energy. So spirituality has helped me to explore my connection to everything around me and my connection to myself and to be more conscious about how I'm doing things. So that feels that feels relatively clear, at least as to what I feel about this topic right now. I can imagine in a little while to tackle spirituality again or chat with somebody that has dedicated their life to spiritual progression or religious of their religious life that would be an interesting podcast because I do not know I know that I do not know a fraction of the things that exist or are possible I mean never ending that's the fun part of life I think so yeah interests I mentioned yoga I love that I love doing yoga because of its ability to ground me As I said, sometimes I'm really in my head, so it's nice to have something that brings me back into my body. And travel. Travel has been the single most exciting, liberating, just such a teaching thing to meet people from different cultures. Living in Brazil was so humbling. The happiest people I've ever met in my life and genuinely loving and they live in a place where oftentimes it's very I mean most people have been robbed at least once in their lives if not multiple times you know people are living in favelas and very poor conditions and it's like you chat with somebody I I had this one friend from a dance class that's another thing I love to do is dance Fojo, which is a Brazilian dance and Samba Gigafieira which is a partner dance of samba so samba you can dance alone just one person and usually in groups but like people will dance themselves or samba gigafieira which is with a partner um in a fojo class in salvador brazil i had this dance partner that again happiest person i've ever met and went to meet his family he's got a bunch of brothers and we were in a place that to me was it wasn't in a favela but it was bordering one of the favelas there and 
such a simple place, you know, a couple beds, a small little house. There's, I think, five or six of them living there and their family. And they made this amazing feast. It was a feijoada, which is like rice and beans, and you can have meat in it. And this amazing chocolate cake. His younger brother made me this chocolate cake because I must have said I like chocolate, which I do, by the way. I I actually have just tried this new dark chocolate that I really love. I, I love dark chocolate these days, but he made me this amazing chocolate cake from scratch. I oh my gosh, even <laughs> even thinking about it, it was just he had never met me before. His brother told him, you know, that a friend from dance was coming, this Canadian girl, and I just they bought this bottle of wine from the corner store. And it was the most gracious welcoming into a household that it will stick with me forever. They're such loving people, truly. And and that that's what travel is all about for me, is I have met the most phenomenal people around the world. It Yeah, it makes, I mean, it makes me tear up because for no no reason other than to be kind i have i've been extended so much kindness everywhere i go in hostels um you know we could talk about solo travel i've had people reach out to me that are taking their first solo trip and say how do you travel alone what you know how do you go on a trip by yourself are you scared as a woman as you know as just a solo traveler is it okay and I have been robbed in Brazil and have had, you know, things happen. But overall, getting sick in places or, you know, it doesn't matter. I have I have seen the inherent kindness of people to those they care about, to perfect strangers. It renews my faith in humanity every time I go somewhere new especially when I don't know the language because time and time again people are just incredible and that's what I love most about travel I mean I could tell you yeah I've been to really cool parties and I you know I've been to ultra in Europe I've been to ultra Miami I've been to burning man I've like I've done really cool things I've been scuba diving and skydiving parasailing um hang gliding just went in a hot air balloon ride overlooking the Alps for my birthday. I've, I've done cool things that are really fun experiences and they're absolutely meaningful. But for me, the bottom line is it's always about relationships. And that actually takes me to more of my personal life, which is... As I said, you know, I've definitely made some friends around the world. I also would have never met my husband if I didn't travel. That's another really fun story. I'm just looking at the time. I don't, yeah, why not? So um, that's probably one of the best stories of all. I, after my car accident, I was really out of commission for eight months solid and was still recovering and a friend that I met in Bali and I knew for three days we shared a we shared a hotel room she's lovely and she's Swiss and so she invited a really great friend of mine who is from Australia but was living in New Zealand she invited her Emma and myself to her wedding in Switzerland and she invited us it was a year or two years after she invited us something like that and so I thought, yeah, I mean, maybe, I'm not sure. And then I had the accident and it really was something that I I wasn't really sure I would go. And then my family was visiting Croatia at the same time that this wedding was supposed to happen. And so they went to Croatia. Emma got in touch and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to the wedding. Are you coming? And again, right, I could not have planned this. This Talk about whatever, spirituality, faith, you want to call it coincidence, call it whatever you want. But it was just, or serendipity, I don't know. But I just said, yeah, fine, we'll go. We went to Portugal a couple days in the Algarve. It's beautiful. That's another stunning spot, really humble. I mean, 
Portugal, the entire country is just stunning and the people are also incredibly gracious and welcoming. I have loved, I was in Porto all the way down to the Algarve and it's just all brilliant. If you want a European coastal trip, stunning. Um, And so we showed up in the Algarve and then we went to Switzerland for this wedding and it was on a buffalo farm and I could have never, you, again, wouldn't have bet this in a million years, but we met there and uh, I went a day later. I stayed in Switzerland for literally three days. I left a day after or two days after the wedding and flew down to Croatia. And then he actually drove down to meet me. And so we met there and drove back up from Dubrovnik. We drove up the Croatian coast up through Italy and then back to Switzerland and I mean the the short story the long and short of it whenever I say that I think of my dad he says the long and short of it is uh, <laughs> is uh, the rest is sort of history I, I commuted for a while from Canada and now we have a house in Canada where we are based and he is of course Swiss so we go back there as well and his family's there and I I'm just over the moon with meeting him and how it all happened and we have an amazing Hungarian dog named Max who is very cute I'll have to find a picture and put a picture up for those of you that are interested Max is just actually most of you probably already know or have seen Max because he's my favorite so he's really cute. That's a whole other travel story. We drove through Austria to Hungary and picked up this puppy from a breeder that we had never met before. And Max has just been like the the joy of of my day. He's amazing. Talk about somebody I want to emulate. I would love to emulate my dog. <laughs> he's just always so happy to see you and excited. And no matter what you do, if you're in a bad mood, like he'll come up and snuggle up with you. I don't know. It's the most unconditional love. Sometimes I don't know what I've done to deserve it. I don't feel I deserve it. Like, he's just so nice to me. It's like, how are you always so nice to me? I don't know. If you've had a dog, like, it's astounding how loving, caring, happy, excited they are no matter what. And loyal. They're so loyal. So, yeah, having a dog has been amazing. And definitely being married has also been a that's probably an episode in and of itself is getting married and our marriage was a bit unconventional in the sense that you know we got engaged and married within a month and just coordinated with a church and family friends a restaurant and sort of went for it in the middle of in the middle of covid and restrictions and all of that so i could probably do a whole episode there because yeah, I I received criticism for it. I some people said they agree with me, you know, just like anything you do in life, people are going to love it, hate it and have something to say to you and that's just the way it goes. But to me it was perfect and I'm so glad that we didn't we did it in a way that made sense for us and I think that's all that matters for anybody with anything in life. I mean, that's kind of a broad statement, but you know, just generally anything in life it's like just do it the way that you want to do it that you see it for yourself and who cares about how everyone else sees it it's like if you see it and you know that it's right for you and you know that's the way you want to do it go for it I I mean barring you know don't hurt people or be an asshole but if, if you see that it's right for you and that's exactly what I said. My whole mission is with work and everything in life. It's like, go for it. You don't get a redo. This is your life now. Like, it seems cliche. I say it and I feel like either an Instagram post or some kind of fortune cookie. It's like, this, I'm not trying to be cliche. I mean it. I mean, today, this, listening to this podcast or not, doing things, going on that trip, marrying that person. It's like, you just don't know what's going to happen. And I'm not saying be frivolous. I want to do a podcast on actually financial planning and we'll have a really cool guest in for that who I admire immensely. Um, I'm not saying don't invest your money, don't save, don't think about the future. Definitely as you're planning your life, think 10 years ahead, think about where you want to be. This is not to 
discredit or discount future planning and being strategic but it is to me about doing things your way and getting very clear on what your way is and what you care about and your values and coaching really helped coaching training and coaching as an exploration really helped me to do myself so you know a bit about me personally professionally spiritually some of my interests I said I would do politically and health politically I can't say I've ever been super politically driven like I, I, for better or for worse I I can't I didn't really know similar to spirituality and investigating what that means and still being very unsure about what that means and having some ideas but not being clear I I don't know what my political stance is and I really resist this idea of having to pick a side you know it's like what what party are you affiliated with it's like I'm not affiliated to a party I have opinions based off of what I believe is important to me and what I see works and what I see doesn't work in society. I have opinions about where we might focus our attention and our tax dollars. Uh, But yeah, politics is a weird one. I don't have a political side or affiliation. I have thoughts on issues or on subject matter. And what I can say quickly about politics is i I'm fascinated by and really admire the Swiss political process. So I'm not sure if other countries have this, but to me, it's I never heard of it before learning about the Swiss political system where they have a Bundesrat, which they have seven, I believe, rather than so seven top officials rather than just one president or prime minister, which is interesting, this kind of division of power at the top there. And so they switch who is their let's say the figurehead or who is to external relations who is their one president or person at the time but they have this kind of committee to make all the decisions which you know I think is a fascinating thing but then even more importantly than that to me what I love is that they vote on issues so when it comes to a political system that I think would work with what I'm saying about what I care for is that you can essentially do a petition uh you have to get a certain number of signatures actually sorry it's not called a petition it's called an initiative you can you can create an initiative and you can get you know 80,000 signatures or 100,000 signatures or sometimes less it depends if you're doing it at the municipal or the federal level so if you want the whole country of Switzerland to vote you need more signatures of course but once you get that number of signatures and go through all of the administrative hurdles that is literally bureaucracy but you know you need to be organized somehow so you go through their process and you get all these signatures and then once you have them the country or the municipality or the canton which is like a province votes or state i suppose uh votes on that initiative and so you have to you know lay out your arguments and it's kind of like debate club or debates in high school you know like you really have to lay out your two sides and uh, they they give information on both sides of it the yes and the no so or for or against and the people vote and if the people vote in favor of something like that's it it's now law or it's now approved and I think that that's brilliant For so many reasons, you have civic responsibility, you have people who care about the political process, people are incredibly proud to be Swiss and to be involved in that process and people take that responsibility seriously. I don't know enough about voter turnout, so that's something that's probably pending that I have to look into is, you know, how many people actually do vote because as with any country, I know Australia was issuing tickets if you weren't voting like they'll give you a fine so they try to incentivize you that way i think it's really important to have voter turnout because obviously if you have 100 people in a room but only 30 people vote and then 16 say yes it's like yeah okay fine it's it passed but it passed because 16 out of 30 said something and 16 out of 100 is a very different percentage of the population that actually agrees with something so making voting easy and people to be able to turn up and give their thought and and making it easy for them to be informed about what the heck they're voting on also right it's like you don't you can get mindless votes and you know we could go down the rabbit hole of is voting 
oh this is this is probably another episode but you know just voter fraud or is it rigged and we all these kind of things where there's some level of corruption in anything but that's to be expected with humans because if people can cheat they there will be some percentage of people that try to cheat the system and that's just how it goes and so working with that instead of against that or pretending like it doesn't exist I think that's my motto at least like if if you want to pretend like something doesn't exist it's not helping anybody like no no of course we don't cheat or of course not like of course people I'm not talking about the Swiss just in general right like oh yeah I don't know people say ignorance is bliss but I think a true ignorance maybe but it's like if you just avoid something and pretend it doesn't exist Jordan Peterson actually speaks about this when he talks about um he's got a story that he did on tvo he read it on tvo and actually probably in his lectures as well but about this dragon and essentially you know this dragon is in the house and this little boy says oh mom there's a dragon she's like no i don't see it and so you know or she puts it under the rug you know under their carpet and she's like no no like it's fine and they keep ignoring this dragon and then <laughs> you know days weeks go by like no no there's no dragon in the house like you're crazy kid there's no dragon and no 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 and avoiding it until the dragon is you know the tail is popping out of the back door and the head is sticking out of the house and the wings are out the windows and like now they finally have to address this dragon and it's sort of like that I think with things that we avoid the more we avoid them we think that it's easier because we're avoiding them but actually the pain of ripping off the band-aid just gets worse so that's what I've realized in my life experience so far and that doesn't mean that I'm perfect I definitely there's still things that you know I'm not perfect at that or there are definitely things that I might not address right away or but I'm that's something that I'm consciously working on too is just is there something that I'm avoiding and why and what what's going on so that's my little short political stint (laughs) or explanation and uh the final thing is health and so i'm gonna try to we've got about nine minutes until the the hour eight minutes so uh again this is probably another episode in and of itself and i'm super excited to explore uh, professional life personal life spirituality politics travel and different interests with different guests and to get their take on these topics because i think that's where we're going to learn a lot together um and health is equally important to me and interesting to learn from others so i'm definitely not a doctor i cannot give you medical advice i can only share my experience and i would say that there are a couple of things that have changed the way that i look at my life when my grandfather was ill and nearing the end of his life even before before that i would say i was 16 he had his leg amputated and seeing the way the Canadian medical system worked in supporting him through that and being very involved, I would leave school and drive there and go and help him through rehab and visit. And I was very involved because, I mean, he's my grandpa and I, I love him dearly. Um, but I saw what conventional medicine did or didn't do. I realized what if you wanted something in the Canadian medical system, you needed to advocate for yourself that a doctor telling you something is not enough, that one doctor telling you something is definitely not enough. I learned that you need to get multiple opinions about anything medical, whether I don't care if you're at the dentist, the orth- at an orthopedic surgeon, a neuroscientist, like I don't care who you're talking to, your regular GP. If you don't like what's being said or you don't agree with the treatment plan or they tell you there's nothing that can be done, I learned with my grandfather that it's absolutely not the case. I mean, I escalated the matter to their head of care of the the whole there were three hospitals in this group of hospitals and I I spoke with their head of head of care at 17, 18 years old because I just said that you know, I don't agree with these things and and we need to do something about it. So back to stubborn Kalina. But you know that kind of tenacity. I mean, you have to be persistent and you have to be your biggest advocate. And that's not just for your health. That's for anything. Because you know 
you know what you need, right? So people that are there that are hired to be your support, I mean, that's great. Whether it's a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, like they're there to help you. And most people are well-intentioned. Like I said, I truly believe that. At the same time, they don't know the situation as well as you do. They don't know your body as well as you do. They don't know your uh, your numbers of your company as well as you do, or they shouldn't. You should know your numbers better than any accountant. Same thing with a lawyer. You should know what you're willing to do uh, within an agreement or not. And so I think that's really important. And uh, again, another episode, but man, you know, they're professionals for a reason. I absolutely respect people that have honed their craft and do trust their judgment, but I trust the information I have. So I trust that I can give the most input on my current situation and that I can take their counsel as just that counsel and not as hard fact. So what I learned in medicine from supporting my grandfather and seeing what he went through in the Canadian medical system is that you must be your own advocate. There are multiple ways to solve a problem and you better be really damn persistent if you're going to uh, get what you want from the system. So you need to search out multiple opinions, pick the doctor that makes sense. You need to meet with multiple doctors. And that's just how it goes, even even in the States where you can pay for it yourself. It doesn't change the premise. It's like buying a car. I mean, test drive a few, right? Like they're, just with anything you do, you're going to test what people's approaches to something. And if somebody's approach is this is not fixable or we can't do anything about this, it's like that's probably not the person that you want to go talk to about it or go through working with. And Actually, I've mentioned her before, but Michaela Peterson healed herself of lots of different health ailments, even more severe than what I've dealt with in my life. And she talks about this exact thing. So it's very reassuring to hear that from somebody else who has navigated the Canadian medical system and the medical systems around the world. Um, she mentioned a Swiss ankle surgery, and she did. She looked at some doctors in the States, too, for her and her father. And just, I've heard way too many stories outside of her story. I've heard way too many stories about people just... Medical error is one of the highest reasons of death, causes of death in a hospital, is medical, human medical error. And I don't blame doctors for that at all. We are humans, we make mistakes, but be very careful about being that mistake because your life is in your hands. So that, that's been my insight there. And then in terms of natural medicine, I've fluctuated with this because... There's so many different supplements and things. And the thing that I've landed on for now, what what I believe to be true, is your body has a real capacity to heal itself. And so while I think there's a place, a time and a place for supplements, there's a time and a place for getting external substances that support your health, I think absolutely. Um, What I'm learning is actually given the chance... We're trying to just find the pill, find the thing, find the the external thing to fix us all the time. And what I've learned in my personal journey is that actually if we just if we just allow our body some time to heal, it actually can do wonders. So uh I've I've been fasting and experimenting with the time windows and there's so much research out on that. Um, and it's different for men and women and just what you're, what you're doing. So, you know, don't, uh, Dave Asprey talks about that. There's so many doctors and so many people that are researching and and delving into the space of water fasting, fasting, intermittent fasting. I think that the core thing and, and Sadhguru, who is that uh, mystic that I mentioned, the Indian gentleman who's done a ton of interesting talks actually one of the really funny ones was when he was being interviewed by um jake logan logan paul logan jake i I don't know this some he's like a fighter guy i don't know him that well but it was like this group of him and his friends logan paul jake paul jake logan i'll have to figure that out sorry um but it was really interesting to see an american a group of young american men who have had huge actually success. He's a very successful businessman, uh, fighter, guy, really successful, and um, and chatting with Sadhguru. I'll, I'll link to that uh, interview. Very interesting to watch the just 
the meeting of these two worlds, right? The meeting of a kind of young American man and this 60-ish or so Indian mystic who grew up in a completely different world. Um, so I'll link to that. That was, I found interesting. Uh, my my point was that Sadhguru <laughs> said, talks about how in yogic philosophy, because yoga is not a religion, it's a philosophy, it's a way of, of life, it's a way of living, um, and they talk about taking eight hours in between meals. And so I've been finding that, and I know, look, do what you have to, again, the, I think the core premise that I've realized in my health, I told you about earlier, which is, you know your body best, do what, do what you think is right for your body, listen to your body. I think that's like the most sage medical advice I've been given to date. I also think there's something in trusting your body to heal itself. Now, obviously, you know, if you need an ankle replacement, like Michaela did, I'm I'm not saying to just sit at home and like, wait for something magical to fall from the sky, uh, seek medical treatment. I'm just saying that for me, and I talk about this in episode two around my menstruation, I really felt like I tried everything. I tried so many different supplements and things like, oh my God. And the only things that have worked are one, me taking control by slowing down and not pushing my body as hard during those days, not even not thinking too much, like not working too much. It's not even like about running marathons. It's about not pushing myself too hard. Um, And then two, like a heating pad. So just heat. And those two things have helped me more than any supplements, any painkillers, birth control, any of that external stuff combined. So, I mean, I guess a heating pad is external, but I don't have to ingest it. So that alongside what you eat, I definitely think what you eat is huge. I mean, you're literally consuming it. It becomes a part of your body the moment you eat it. It's literally in your body. So food as medicine, I think is a fascinating, it's been popularized now in North America, but if you look at yogic philosophy and Asian cultures and even Mayan cultures, any, any, any historic texts about even Greek, um, there's a humorism, which is ancient Greek medicine that dealt with the four fluids of the body. That's also fascinating. It's like, um, uh, melancholic, chol- no, choleric, uh, sanguine. I'll, I'll link to that. That's interesting too. It's ancient and they, of course, don't use that anymore, but it was about what you ate and they would modify diets based off of your, your constitution and the liquids of your body, which of course were made up of whatever percentage. I don't have the exact percentage, but 60, 70 ish percent water. So makes a lot of sense that that's a piece of the puzzle. But I, I think spirituality, health, and just about any of this, the biggest realization of who I am in talking about this is I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring it out day in, day out by learning. And I have some ideas about what I care about. I have some ideas about what's working well for me now. And I'm really open to learning more. So that's how I approach all of these topics, my career, my personal life, I spiritually health all of it and so if I was to boil down the answer to who am I I would say I'm curious and seeking new knowledge that that's who I am right now and I'm really grateful for you for listening and the people in my day-to-day life fab max my parents my siblings my cousin my my friends for encouraging me to be the person that i am because it's sometimes kind of prickly to not agree with people and to be Uh, to be stubborn about what I believe or stubborn about pursuing learning and knowledge, travel, going against convention because I believe it's right. The people around me in my life have always supported me even though I go against the grain in a lot of ways. And so I'm 
grateful for you for learning a bit more about me and listening to me go on this exploration of myself and I want to thank you so much for being in my life and accepting me for who I am and who I'm becoming and just this this approach that I have to life that can be seen as unconventional I want to thank you so much for accepting me and for being a part of that so I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and talk soon.